Hello and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. Welcome to episode 20. 220 already. The big 2-0. I'm waiting for 21, man. Then we can drink. That's true. <laughs> well, it will be our drinking episode. <laughs> yeah. We'll just do shots. <laughs> It'll be awesome. All right. Well, real quick, how can people find us? Yeah, they can get to us on Instagram at Post Ride Cafe and Twitter at Post Ride Cafe as well. Yeah. Had uh, some action this week, I hear. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had a, a, a like... Now I'm confused on which one it was. I think it was on Instagram from uh, Israel Startup Nation. I had tagged them and because we were starting to talk about the teams, and I put them in there, and yeah. they gave me a like. You know, it's pretty cool, man. Appreciate I, uh, that. They must not have listened to our podcast because I, I looked at our stats and I didn't see any downloads from Israel. I mean, maybe they're based somewhere else, or yeah, I'd be a terrible. Terrible way to do it. If I, I mean, was named Israel Startup Nation, <laughs> I better be based. Their in PR guys probably like. Just in California or something. That's true. We did have a download from Bakersfield, so oh, you're probably on to something. That, that's them. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, so we had those downloads real quick from, what, Mexico and Canada. Then we just had one from Switzerland. I saw we had Germany, Japan. We had Poland this week. And I thought there was one more. Oh, Spain. We had a couple from Spain. Dude, we're turning into that like multinational conglomerate company company over here. Yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting <laughs> to get a, pair, a golden parachute so I can retire from this bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so pretty cool to see all that stuff. I mean, when you start something like this, like, I don't know. I guess I never really thought it would like be people from all those other countries downloading us on, you know, we're on episode 20. You know, I'm like waiting like episode 30, 50, you know, I'm like some imaginary future distance time. Yeah, I mean, maybe in 30 to 50, we can actually be talking about racing, so. Ah, that would be good. <laughs> well, we're getting there. Uh, so, yeah, real quick, let's get into our Strava Stats of the Week. Stats, bro. Yeah, well, I, uh, I finally have done it. I think I've done it one other time this week, but I broke 100 miles. Or this year. This year. Oh, yeah, this year. Yeah, sorry. Uh, 100.3. But, yeah, I got 100 miles and 2,200 feet, so nice to achieve that goal. Uh, yeah, I was at 182 miles this week and 4,000 feet of climbing. Yeah, kind of a, a good week. Yours was a little down, I guess, but... Climbing feet, I think that it's, the mileage has been kind of standard. Yeah, that's kind of your average. Yeah, let's just jump right into our uh, ride of the week. We did a metric uh, century yesterday. So we went to... Basically, we kind of decided we wanted to do something bigger. You know, we have, it's Memorial Day weekend, we had some time off, you know, we have tomorrow, the holiday off, and I wanted to, I have some, you know, I've been doing a lot of stuff around the house, we bought, bought a bunch of plants today, and we're going to be planting tomorrow and, and doing some other stuff, so I wanted to get a good ride in. Yeah. And uh, so we left, you know, relatively early in the morning, it wasn't super hot out, it still was under 100. It's pretty comfortable, like, the whole ride. Yeah. But, you know, when we do these longer rides, it's just nice to leave from the house, because then you just come back and you're done. Yeah. Because otherwise, I, too, I feel like you get in the car and then, not cramp up, but it, it's not as nice as spinning out at the end. And Yeah. Well, there's just something when you do, a, you know, for, for me anyway, a pretty long ride. I think this is like one of the top longest rides I've done. I think the longest I've ever done was like 72 or something. So it's really close to the longest I've ever ridden. So for me, when I do these longer rides, it's just like you get in the car and you sit and you kind of cool it's off. It's a whole extra and you get process. Home and, yeah. So I kind of like leaving from the house and so we've been talking about it in previous weeks where we're just extending our rides on to other rides that we do and so this time we added in you know our normal paradise valley loop but we just rode there yeah and then so. we went down to tempe 
kind of uh, the Mill Avenue Bridge area, if anyone's familiar. It's right by the ASU campus. And then back up through, there's a little mountain kind of area called Papago that's nice. Again, all of it pretty much has a good lane, and some roads are better than others. But yeah, yeah, I'm gonna also throw out three three rides of the week that I'm gonna talk about real briefly. Dang. So this one, big one, got this KOM that I we had been talking about. It's true. We don't get to it super often. Um, it's just like a very light, almost flat sprint. Um, yeah. but we've always been close. Like Wait, we talked seconds. about it a couple of weeks ago whenever you did a good lead out for me. And I oh, yeah, that yeah. was the one. That was the same one, and I couldn't get it. And then now with uh, all these changes to Strava, you know, I'm too poor to afford <laughs> premium, so I can't. I don't even have KOMs anymore. I don't think. Yeah, but uh, you, uh, you gave me no lead out. <laughs> Dude, I was pretty tanked. Like, there was something, I have something going on in my stomach. So, like, all day on Saturday we're riding, and, like, I just felt gutted. Like, Something was going on in my stomach and, like, didn't feel great. And by the time we got to that part of the ride, we were, like, 40-ish miles in, and, like, I just had no power in that exact moment. I, I was, was starting like, to finally feel better at that point. I was struggling to hold, like, 16 miles an hour. You know, like, it was just, I just felt pretty awful. So I, d I unfortunately couldn't lead you out, but turns out you didn't need it. Yeah, so got that by a second. Was pretty stoked. Um, and then earlier in the week... Uh, it had some fantastic wind, and there's a segment that goes through, I think it's about two and a half miles uh, from along Lake Pleasant Parkway, and a little close on one of the lights that I went through, but I was like, I had to, I had to do it, and so I got, I got that segment by a, a good amount, um, relatively, and then the, the slight one today. Finally stopped at that coffee shop over yeah. uh, on West Wing Parkway. Good spot. That's right next to a school or a park or something? There's a park, and I think the church, they had some like really, really nice religious music playing in, oh, the, there. in the courtyard while I was there. It's, Hopefully it was it's relaxing. like some Bach or something? No. Like <laughs> organ music? No, you know, it's Arizona. It was like religious and like country. Like it was oh. fantastic. Yeah, for me, religious music is like <laughs> Bach area Baroque music. Uh, yeah, not, not at all. Some organ, maybe some, like... Uh, it's more like, you know, Jesus made my life and met my wife or something uh, like one that. Of those. You no, got, like, I'm thinking like, a little country mix. Yeah, I'm thinking old school. I want, like, some handle or something. Like, that's what I want, organ. No. But, yeah, so good to... Hopefully I can hold those KOMs. I was scared they were going to lose it that same day. But. That's true. That's usually your luck <laughs> with KOMs. No, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, I am not getting a lot of KOMs right now, and... I, I still plan on getting a couple. Uh, there's one in particular I might want to steal from you, it, it turns out. So maybe Is I'll be a little... the Costco one? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no. Uh... But overall, it was a good week. I got to ride on, I think it was Monday. I just was like really exhausted from work. And so I just did a, not very long, like 25 miles, but I did a nice zone two. And it was just nice because I did a route along this canal that I don't do that much. And it had been a while since I'd done it since I moved. So it was just nice to get back out there and... Just kind of coast and get some zone two training in. Yeah. It's nice to just kind of, for me, it's if I'm kind of stressed out or whatever, I use it as just a way to like blow off some steam and get some good work on my heart. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was like, you know, just you got to go up and down in a funk or something like that throughout the week. It's like getting hotter and there's less stuff going on and 
all that in general things to do and I was like, oh, I got to get out. Then you feel a little better and you're like, all right, this is yeah. good. No, it definitely was the perfect ride for me in that moment. But yeah, I've been kind of tinkering with my zone two because before it was like zone two ended at like 150 or something. And so I'd, I'd try to push like 145 to 149. You know, I'm like, as long as I'm 149, I'm zone two. You know, we're always trying to push it to the extreme. Yeah. But, I oh, sorry. Oh, I was just saying, so I've been trying to knock it down a, a peg and go to like one high 130s. Yeah, I was going to say the same. I think like the goal is riding zone two as low as possible. Yeah. And then, you know, bring that heart rate down and the average speed up and kind of those two working together. Yeah. Well, the problem though is, and let's be real, is your speed drops. So then you're oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm only going like 15. You look like a pussy or something. It's like, but you have to slow down to speed up, right? That's that sort of, you know, bullshit code talk. People always say like, you know, two steps forward, one step back or whatever. Yeah. Like you do have to slow down to get your heart rate and build up that base and then build it back up. I'd say, and the other hard part is like other factors because it, like that, the ride we did yesterday and this morning, was it's windy. So yeah. it's like you're not going very fast or you're putting in a lot more effort and your heart rate's going to be higher for getting, I guess you could say less results because, I mean, you're getting a, a, a less lesser average speed. Yeah. But it's it's like, you know, you can't do anything about that. If you're fighting the wind, like even if you're not going fast, like you're working harder. Your heart rate's yeah. going to be higher. There's, oh, for sure. There's just nothing to do about it. Well, that's what's so interesting about yesterday's ride. So Phoenix, if you don't, if you've never been here or never seen it on a map, it's basically a grid. So, you know, if you're riding on the street in a bike lane, like you're going east, you're going north, you're going whatever, you're going a cardinal direction. You know, when you go to other cities, I get really lost because it like winds around and like, I'm like, which direction are we headed? Like Phoenix is very straight. And so when we started our ride, it's like seven to eight miles east. And we're just hitting headwind. Nothing crazy, but there's a headwind. Then we head south. There's a little bit of a crosswind, right? Which we do would expect. And then we're like, cool. I'd rather get all the work out of the way. And on the way back, it'll be, you know, a tailwind. Yeah, because you're kind of going uphill a little more on the way back anyways. Yeah. And like it seems, once again, no matter which direction <laughs> we went, it was either a headwind or a crosswind. There really was very little tailwind. Yeah. But... To each, that's just how this, it's just been, I feel like it's just been, I keep saying it, overly windy for the season. Yeah, it's not good. When you get the heat and then wind, it's like an oven, so. Yeah. Anyway, that's the ride of the week, and let's just dive into, there's a, just a little bit of cycling news in general I want to talk about. I saw this one come up today, actually. Tom Dumoulin quit the MPCC, which is the movement for clean cycling, and we originally did didn't really want to talk about it, but I was like, I just kind of wonder what's going to happen. So in today's modern era, everything is like, you either say you're anti-doping or you might as well just admit you're doping is how it feels, you know? Like if yeah. you don't disavow previous dopers like Lance or something, then you're the, you're the enemy. So for him to come against and resign his position or just leave the MPCC... I just wonder what's going to happen in that case. It doesn't, it just puts a cloud over him that I think he probably doesn't really need, you know, but I will say he, he quit for what he said was two reasons. One was he didn't like their stance or lack of stance for Perry Nice being operated as a race because his stance was, you know, there were, we were, France was hit pretty hard with COVID-19 at the time and they still kept the race going and he felt that that shouldn't have happened, right? Yeah, like there was, potential health risks on there and if they're supposed to be all about 
protecting the riders, then mm -hmm. that's a health risk and not just the doping and everything like that. Exactly. It should be like a, his approach is sort of holistic where it's not just about doping, it's about everything. So, and then his other complaint was that the MPCC had spoken out against ketones. And as we all know, Team Yumbo Visma loves ketones. Yeah. So now that he's on Team Yumbo Visma, he could admit he uses ketones. Maybe he used them in the past, which I don't, I, ketones are fine. Like your, your body naturally makes them. Now, if you want to take and buy expensive ketone supplements that taste like garbage and eat them, I guess that's on you. But so his stance along with Team Yumbo Visma is ketones are fine. And so for those two reasons, he, he decided to resign. And I can respect that he has specific reasons for doing so. I will say it's a little bit interesting, like thinking back. So he's, he came from Sunweb. And I remember when they were like skill Shimano and they were a pretty, I think there was a documentary or there, there is a documentary out there on the team and they're pretty like hardline clean team. Like when Kittle was on there uh, and um, Dagenkalb, like they were like a clean team, like kind of how like EF Education's like, we're like a very clean team. Hmm. And like that was a, a big thing for them. And so I didn't, they didn't really talk about it as much i feel like in the more recent sunweb years not to say that they weren't or any sure. difference but i wonder if that's part of it as well where like now they're he's on a different team and so he just doesn't have to have that same association not that he does anything different or one way or the other yeah but maybe he doesn't have to have that association any longer sure yeah it's not required yeah it might have been required as part of his sunweb contract yeah yeah well Speaking of potential dopers. <laughs> potential, I mean, yeah. who, who's now, now that he quit the MPCC, he's obviously on drugs, okay? Yeah. Uh, this week, the Lance Armstrong 30 for 30 for on ESPN is coming out. I think it came out today, or I, I heard tomorrow, but it's coming out. And it's the first episode. It's two parts. It's like an hour and a half each or something. Yeah. And so I'm sure we'll be watching that, and we'll be talking oh, about it to. in a future episode. But yeah, it's supposed to just highlight his entire career, not even before he was a cyclist, so... Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah, it talks about him being a triathlete and everything else. So it's about the rise of Lance, and I, I guess he fell. I, I don't know. Some sort of decline. Like that one where he went through the field? I was like, <laughs> I don't think he fell there. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I always wondered how he didn't get banned for that or like uh They just cut across the whole field? But... Yeah, he like cut across this whole part of the race and just got back on the road. But it was a, it was a different time. Yeah. But then, you know, Chris Froome just runs up Alp Duez or whatever, so it's perfectly wow, I'm fun. not letting that one go. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm sure we'll be talking about that one soon, and uh, we'll just, probably next week we'll have a, if we have a chance to watch it. Yeah. We'll, have a, we'll talk about it for sure. It's interesting. I, I just find Lance fascinating. Love him or hate him, like, there's something about him that, like, you can't help but, like, watch something about him. It's the drama of, like, you're just, it's not, like, quite, like, the, the train wreck thing where you can't look away, but it's... He's, the he's tiger... an asshole. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's the Tiger King of cycling, dude. You I guess. You can't not watch it. Yeah. But Although I haven't seen the Tiger King. I haven't either. But it's not cycling. I don't care. Yeah. True. Anyway, so what, to, this week we're doing continuing our team episodes. And we're going to do two more. And I think we mentioned them last week. We're doing Team Sunweb. And then after that we'll be doing Group Harma FGJ. I always, I always want to say Group Harma, right? Like Parmesan like... cheese or something, but it's just Group Harma. I yeah. thought it was like Group Pharma, like the yeah, like a pharmaceutical. That's what I thought too. Totally oh, no. wrong. Anyway, Group Pharma FDJ. Well, they're not first, so we're talking about nope. Sunweb first. We're talking about <laughs> Sunweb. Let's get right into it. So their stats from 2019, they were ranked 15th, which was down five from 2018, and they had what nine victories, six of those World Tour, 
and two of them Grand Tour stages. Which, comparing that to 2018, they had 11 victories, 8 in the World Tour, and 2 Grand Tour stages. So, pretty on par with what they did the year before, just, you know, a couple less victories. Not, not, yeah. not the end of the world, looks like they pretty much only won World Tour. They don't really target smaller races. But their identity, they now they're like a sprinter and like stage hunter. So, previous years they had lost Tom Dumoulin, and they also lost Jan Backlentz. So this key signing this year, they picked up Tij Benut. And then real quick, key riders on the team currently, we have Michael Matthews. He's a, one of your favorites, right? Oh, yeah. Bling. I, the bling tattoo that I have, it's, yeah. it's, it looks great. Yeah, it does. And then Tij Benut and Wilco Kelderman are their main riders. And I'll let you handle the young riders. Yeah, the young riders are uh, Mark Hershey, who looks like he was sixth in the GC of the Deutschland Tour. He was fifth in the Bink Bank Tour. Um, looks like he got second on stage four. He was third in the San Sebastian, the Classica. And he was 10th in the, looks like the Bink Bank, the oh, E3. Yeah. Used to be Harl, Harl Becker, mm -hmm. Bink Bank Classic. Yeah. And the other was Jay Hindley. Uh, he got second overall in the Tour of Poland. Uh, stage six, he was third, or is that? Yeah, he and was, yeah, mm -hmm. and then he was thirty fifth overall in the Giro d'Italia. Yeah, so I know Jay Henley for sure. He's a climber. Uh, I don't quite know. I I would assume Hershey's also a climber based on the San Sebastian. Uh, it's usually kind of a punchy climbing. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably what they needed just to replace Dumoulin. Not like you're going to replace him with that, but sure. try to rebuild the GC talent. And then maybe if Hershey is a little bit kind of classics leaning, Benut's also kind of that same leaning with the ability to climb. So yep. some help for him. Yeah, definitely just building on their team from where they're at. So real quick, personal thoughts. I mean, like I was saying earlier, like, you know, I remember them like when they were skill Shimano and they were like this team with Kittle was they kind of, they were sprinter and then yeah, they, they were like sprints, they were sprint focused. And then they kind of moved into classics. And then when Dumoulin became a GC rider, um, then that, that's what they were all about. It's just weird. Cause they've, they've lost so much, uh, it's, I think that they had a lot more GC talent going on, mm -hmm. but it's, yeah, I just don't know where they are now. Uh, they're definitely in a rebuilding period. And I mean, just like personal opinion on the team, I guess they're just fine. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Like they're, I will say at a point, I don't like Michael Matthews, but that one tour where it seemed like everybody, he was giving his all. For yeah. like everybody was kind of giving their all, and they had I like that mentality of just yeah. working for the team. But was that the same year he won green, right? Because everyone else crashed out. Well, or got kicked out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, who was? Um, I'm totally blanking. The French writer that left to go join a pro. Warren Bargy. Yeah, Warren Bargy. Yeah, so that tour was really good. They had, like you had said, everyone was working together. I think that was their like. If they're in a fall, they're just in a little divot right but that was their peak of their team i think that tour was the epitome yeah. of what team Sunweb was trying to accomplish and uh, it was a really cool tour you know besides sagan getting disqualified and and removed from the race like 
Michael Matthews stepped in and did his best interpret impersonation of Sagan that he's ever done. For sure. And so that was their highlight, in my opinion. I mean, my opinion of the team, I don't, I'm kind of like you. I don't really have an opinion about them one way or the other. I think they're, I agree. I think they're very lost for an identity right now. They were really pinning their hopes on Michael Matthews and Tom Dumoulin. And then when Tom Dumoulin got injured, he didn't do a whole lot this season. And then he left anyway, you know, in 2019 and joined Yumbo Visma. So they were really kind of thinking they'd have Tom Dumoulin for another, you know, two or three, at least this contract cycle, you know. And so I thought they were, they thought they were really going to have him for another couple of years. And so they started to build their team towards that end. And so yeah. him leaving kind of just put a massive hole in their team. It's like, hey, a, a guy who won the, the Giro just left your team and he had nothing to replace him. And then Warren Bragui left because he thought he wanted to. I think he. I think Warren Bragui had that same thing that I see in like pro athletes that are like, you know, right behind their star player, and they think they have the they have what it takes to be a star, and they just don't because Bragui's just floundered out, you know. But there's just a big hole in their team, and I don't know how they're rebuilding quite yet. And so they've kind of switched gears and went back to their old way of sprinter classics. So they picked up their only real signing was Tij Benoit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. Like, I think I think Sam Uman is on this team as well, yeah. and he's a good climber. So I think you could go. It's it's not a GC team yet. Mm-mm. Maybe one of those guys can step up to that role. You get a couple more support guys. Like I don't think that's happening this year, but there's talent there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I think with the way their their team is laid out, there are options for this season. You know, they have a couple of classics. They want to focus on Tiege Benut, Michael Matthews, and have some support help. And then when it gets into the tours, I think it's the same thing. It's just stage hunting. You know, I think Sam Uman could go off into a break. Tiege Benut obviously has potential. Michael Matthews, you know, if he's really having a good day, he could win um, some sort of stage. Yeah. So it's interesting now because, not to get too distracted, but before Peter Sagan was supposed to go to the Giro first and then to the Tour. Yeah. And so there was sort of this idea of, will he be, how much effort is he going to put in the Giro? And then what's going to happen during the Tour, you know? And this would this would have been a great opportunity for Michael Matthews to really go out and get another green jersey with Sagan in the Tour and be like, see, I can do it. Kind you know? of some, yeah. If you have enough competition, then you can submit your place. Yeah. That, I just don't, It's it's another one of those things where it's, Everything is so competitive now. If you don't take your opportunity, you're mm-hmm. going to lose out. Because I think you have... I know um, Matthew Vanderpool, I don't think he's going to be in the tour. Like, his team didn't get an invite. No. But I think Wout Van Aert's going to be in there. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't see Matthews... I, I see Wout Van Aert pulling more or, like, filling his place in Sagan's place more than... Michael Matthews could, and there's just a couple people, and or if, yeah. or if it's, I haven't, I don't even know if, like the route as much, but if it's sprint heavy, like maybe an actual sprinter like wins it, just get enough wins and and takes the green, because yeah. in that same one, Kittle was in the lead of that, but he crashed or got too fatigued and quit or something like that. Yeah, but it still wouldn't have mattered. I mean, the amount of points that's got on the mask. Like, oh no, no, are you the, talking the about Matthews one? Oh yeah, Kittle okay. would have won that. Is that, I, I don't know. I think it was still pretty tight. Well, I'm pretty he sure was, Kittle was in green when he... No, Kittle was in green when... Well, yeah, but I still think there was a couple more mid-mountain I guess stages. he could have potentially, but... Yeah. 
just saying like there's there was still potential for a pure sprinter to win that so sure there's still potential for pure sprinters and then you have guys like Vanderpool and Wout Benard. like I, I just don't know if if Matthews has it on there but I don't think Van Aert's going to do anything because his goal, his role right now is just to help them win the tour. So I don't think you're going to have, it's kind of like the year that Cavendish was on Team Sky. Like they're all about winning yellow. Like green is secondary to Team Yumbo Visma. So same thing is going to happen. I think he'll get like a free role. I don't think at all. They have enough climbing talent where. It doesn't matter. He's going to be controlling, he's going to be controlling breaks. Anyway, I don't want to get distracted. We can talk about that later. But yeah, so Wilco Kelderman, uh, he'll have finally have a chance to do be the sole leader on a GC. I don't know if they're going to... If I was them, I would let him ride the tour and then target, like, the Vuelta or something. Yeah, I and we've talked about before. Like, some of these teams just need to just ride off the tour. Like, you you got a couple teams that are coming in ridiculously stacked. They're I mean, I know you want a top 10 for it. points and you want exposure and it's the biggest thing, but honestly, a win at, at a at another Grand Tour or a podium is, is better than, yeah. it should be anyways, better than a 10th place or something at the Tour. Oh, yeah. I think that's the case. I, I think you're right. With the with the Tour being one of the first races of the season, it's going to be, everyone's going to go gung-ho for it. And I think the smart teams that don't have a clear leader shouldn't target it as a as training. Yeah. Especially with good with good competition. And then look to like, leave a week early and go do an altitude camp and then do, target the Giro or, or something like that or do the tour completely and then maybe do a bunch of classics or an altitude camp and then go to the Vuelta. You yeah. Know, I think that's the options for these, for lack of a better term, like tier two teams that don't have a very clear Tour de France winning caliber team. And I think you can, we would see that here. I think they should better target stages and just as a build up for the Giro. Yeah, it's kind of a weird season to say that. I'm using the tour to build up for the zero. That just seems so weird. I mean, you got a limited window. You got to do what you can. I know. That's I get. I agree, and I think that's the best way to maximize that. Uh, as far as Benut, I don't know. I like Benut. Yeah. Oh, I was he's really. I was really bummed to see him leave Lado Sudal, especially going to a team like Sunweb. I, I think he has better support in Sudal than he would get at Sunweb. But I don't know his situation. He obviously thought something. Yeah, and they brought in some guys, so it's it's like was he already on the those guys already on the way in, and then he felt overcrowded, or did they go and seek to replace him? Because you never know when these contracts actually happen. Mm-hmm. I like I think Cycling News does like a, a look back the next year, and then they talk about like a few of the big transfers. They talk about uh, like oh yeah, we were in talks five months before it was announced, yeah. and then you then exactly. you kind of get a clearer picture, but you don't really know where they were at obviously the writers know a lot more and the, mm-hmm. they're not going to announce everything yeah i don't know if they just yeah i don't know why he left i i was actually kind of surprised maybe it'll be in one of those uh retrospectives i so hope so we'll see because i really like benoon i think he is one of my newer favorite classics writers now that like cancel retired and everything so he's sort of my new uptick in classics writers you have al philippe and benoon and vanderpool i guess Van Aert, he's in a weird spot. I don't know what he's going to do. He well, had the leg the injury, injury and everything, so, it's, so yeah. it's been a year for him. It's I don't really know where he's at. And um, But yeah, so Benoud is one of my favorites. And I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he never wins a big one, but I just, 
he just always is attacking, and I just like it. Yeah, he has a cool style, for sure. Yeah. So I'm hoping he can win something this season. But again, we've talked about it time and time again. You know, besides me declaring Zakarian going to win all three Grand <laughs> Tours, like, I just, it's going to be really hard for any Classics rider to really try hard for one race. There's so much competition and so few races right now. Yeah. Speaking of wins this season, so their key victories, one by Benut, uh, was a stage at Paris Nice where that one was kind of, that was cool. it was, it was the last one of, you know, of the year so far and nobody knew what was going to happen. So every, every stage seemed like a, a one day classic. So he, he went out there and did it. He looked awesome. Well, that was, the, was that the stage that I thought it was really weird that he was attacking his own teammate? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like Craig Anderson won the day before. Is I think something like that, because they both won. A yeah, stage so Craig on Anderson it. won the day before, and then he was in like he was in the podium or something, and then like the next day he's like attacked the peloton and he's in the breakaway, and yeah. then all of a sudden like Benute and he looked fine, that I could tell, and then all of a sudden I see Benute attacking the peloton and like like what is he doing? Just chasing his I was own like, guy down. Like, why like... is he chasing his own? Like because Craig Anderson was the sole leader at that point. Yeah, and I was like, what is he doing? Like his guy could like get a podium and secure, you know, it's like, I had no, but then like in, once you see it happen, he just catches Craig Anderson and just drops immediately crack. Like so obviously like, he was going to crack. So he was just, they were just waiting for that. Correct. So that everybody could kind of be like, what are they doing? And then yeah. maybe they were going to go up together and then they're like, Oh shit. He's like feeling really good and it's going to go. But yeah. So it was a really cool thing to see him win. And, uh, I just, you know, I just always cheer for Benute. He's like, you know, I'll always cheer for him. Like I always cheer for Greipel. True. So I'm hoping Benut can, he's still young enough and has a lot of talent. I think he can still win some stuff, but it's just cool to see him. I don't think he's a pure classics rider. He's a little skinny. He, yeah, he's, he I don't think he's going to win a Robay like in his current size, just, but I mean, he won Bianchi. There's way more climbing in that. In Strade Bianchi? I think so. I mean, yeah. it seems like anyways, there's lots of hills. They just seem similar enough anyway. But, I mean, they're both definitely, I mean, with the dirt, it's but, hard on your body. But I don't think Benute does well. Like, the M's still, like, you know, Flesh Lalone and all those sort of... Uh, Couldn't say for sure. Those ones. He's always targeting the, the earlier races, so he just needs to add a few kilos. Let's see. And then their other further key victories was um, one of the young riders we talked about, Jay Henley, the... Two stages he won at the Jayco Sun Herald Tour and the overall. Yeah. Uh, I watched that. It was he looked strong. Uh, there were some decent climbers there, and he was he was taking them all out. Yeah. It was that's early in the year, but still, like for a young rider like that. I think that's what like the first race of the season. Yeah. Well, I think it's right after the uh, Santos Tour Down Under. Yeah, the oh, Tour Down Under. I thought it was before. Yeah, it goes it goes right after it. Oh, okay. So usually riders will do both. Yeah. No, it's good to see. I mean, they need young riders on this team. They need an identity, and so they need someone. It's a perfect opportunity for a young rider to spike some results like him because then it's easy to kind of lock up, easier, right, to lock up some team support when you well, don't yeah, you have you get pushed to the top with the team if, if you can do that since there's so many openings. Yeah. Uh, so the real question is, uh, we finish up Team Sunweb, better or worse than 2019? I mean, I'd have to say worse just based on losing Dumoulin and not having a particular identity and i mean they didn't do bad last season yeah so it's just hard to do the same i, I guess yeah um I, I think you're right and it's really tough it's really hard to say better or worse on these because of the shortened season 
and there's a lot less World Tour races to go around, but I think they can win what, two more World Tour stages, so they'll get four for the season. I mean, I could see that. But yeah, I, so a technicality, I think, worse, but it's just such a weird season. But yeah, they're in a rebuild phase, so it's really hard to expect much from them. Um, they weren't quite in a rebuild last year because Dumoulin and stuff was still on the team. He was just injured. So. Yeah, I guess I would say I, I don't consider them an overall better team than yeah, that's, last year. Oh, yeah. so no, that's complete. Yeah, Easier to say than amount of wins just because it's not fair to compare that. Yeah, I can, I can, that's a good point. I can totally get behind that. They're definitely not finished. They're still rebuilding. Yeah. So that's a fair, that's a fair statement. Well, that finishes up Team Sunweb. Now we go on to Groupama FDJ. You want to hit the stats, man? Dude, I'll hit the stats. All right. So yeah, their 2019 stats, they were ranked 14th, down uh, two from 2018. They had 24 victories, four of those World Tour and two GT stages. And by comparison, their 2018 um, victories were 31 and seven World Tour. So their team identity is GC, stages, and sprints. Key losses and signings, honestly, kind of went through. Didn't really have anything in particular one way or the other. Um, their key riders are, are the same as before. Uh, Thibaut Pino, Arno Damar, which I did just see. I think he broke his wrist or something like that. Yeah, he broke injured. a scaffold or something. Uh, and Stefan Kuhn. Yeah. Well, young riders, uh, Valentin Madois. I don't know. I just want to, I don't know. I'm not familiar with him. He's 23. He was 13th overall in the Giro d'Italia last year, and he got 8th in Amstel Gold. So Not bad. Not bad results. I don't know much about him, but it's still just interesting just to see someone so young have two pretty decent results in a pretty competitive races. races. Yeah. yeah. Those are two really big races. Not like top 10 classics race and, you know, Giro d'Italia. Right? Yeah. So to be 13th is, is a big deal. You know, he's probably the next you know, TJ or whatever of his country at this point, right? <laughs> no. So, um, not sure. And then Don't, don't tell, say that about him. No, I can't, I can't be that mean. Uh, so then the other writer they have here that's under 23 that I saw was uh, David Godot. I'm familiar with him, but just not familiar enough. Uh, he's honestly, I mean, before we get into his, his um, Palmares here, he's a good writer. He yeah. looked fantastic in supporting Tebow. Strong climber. Yeah, you're a lot better at remembering these people. It also helps that you watch a lot more races. A lot more races, and you actually just have time to watch them like live. True. Where I'm like just browse, clicking through. And yeah, you see those. Them. You see the guys working in the front. You're like, okay, like like when you see like Sepkos and he's just like in the front all day. And you're like, okay, yeah, like cool. I get it now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he got 13th in the Tour de France, which is you know better than his uh, compatriot here, at 13th <laughs> in the Giro. But that's still impressive. And then you got the Tour Robindy. He got first on stage three. Uh, he got sixth in Liège, Bastion de Liège, and he got third overall at the UAE Tour. So very good results for someone so young, and definitely a couple good young riders to just pull through their team and build up. Yeah, also, I mean, I'm sure uh, the other rider too, the Madaus, Yeah. also probably in the support of someone else mm -hmm. and still able to hold on to 13th in GC. Same thing with Godot. I think maybe is that the one where he where Pino had to pull out. I was gonna say, who was he supporting in the Tour de France? No, uh, Pino looked great, and we're gonna get into that. But yeah, so yeah, these two guys definitely great young riders. It'll be interesting to see how their next couple years develops. Yeah, 
uh, personal thoughts on the team. I'll start that one. I liked them a lot more this year. I did not like them up until this past year. Yeah. And that really boils down to Pino, right? I'm not a big Arnold DeMar fan. I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of his sprinting tactics or the way he sprints. Um, Sideways, you mean? Yeah, exactly. All over the road. But for me, Grove Home FTJ was just, they were one of those lower tier teams, so to speak. They weren't one of the big ones, you know, and they never really targeted GC. They were just kind of stage hunters. Um, and then when T- Pino came up, he started pretty well. He was a great French hope, but he could never descend, you know. And then he worked really hard at it, and I have to just give him nothing but respect. And he looked awesome in the Tour de France. And it was really bummed to see him go out, but his performance and the team's performance this year really made me kind of give them some respect and go, you know what, they're, they're really working hard at building up something. Yeah, it's the same. I mean, when we talk about like the new, like these gritty writers or people stepping up, it's like Pino goes out and I mean, Godot looked great before and he held on, was like, I'm going to continue to work and do what we can. Like the team's just like, all right, we're going to do what we can now with our main guy out, but. I mean, they were working hard the whole time. It They looked great. Yeah. Well, main topics real quick. Let's get into those. First and foremost, after that just heart-wrenching exit from the tour, how do you think Pino is going to respond this season? I haven't heard anything about him. I haven't either. I'm trying to think of... I think he, I'm trying to think of what races he even rode this year. A couple. I think he looked all right, but it's hard to tell because, I mean... You well, were, the one we talked about last week with... Um, was it the Tour of the Alps? I feel like Something he like that, where that. that one guy won it, and you said there was other competitors that yeah. were... I mean, it was a building race for him. Sure. Honestly, I hope he comes back super driven, just because... I mean, you could always take it one of two ways, where you're that close, and you look that good, and you could be completely disheartened. Yeah. Or you can say, this is the closest I've ever been, and I was on par or better than the best at that time. Yeah. Just the way the way he was riding, he, he kind of looked it, and so be like all right i can do it this year now yeah well he was he's 29 so he's not he still has a few more years of his peak right he's in his prime right now so it's not like he was 31 and going 32 this year and he's kind of coming towards the end of his peak like he's entering his peak so there's still a lot of hope for pino to be able to win the tour de france and after the way he raced this last year i actually believe that's a reality yeah, well, you were talking about he worked on his descending. I feel like he has the complete package now. Yeah. Now, if he can improve his time... Like it always helps to improve your time trial. True. You know, because everyone's a weakness at that, that if you're not winning. Because everyone that wins a Tour de France is really good at time trialing. So anyone that's a competitor, I just write them off half the time because they're just losing three or four minutes in a time trial. And I just... I can't take you seriously. So... But he has... Going up until his, like exit with like two or three days left in the mountains where he was crushing everybody he looked like he was ready to just take over and i think he could have so yeah i'm definitely looking forward to seeing how he responds again it's it's really hard this season just because of everything that's gone on we'll see what his form is like and see how what kind of training camps if he gets any altitude camps in the next couple months because that's super important so we'll see but i'm i'm hoping he can make it back and be competitive because on his team there's no question of who's the leader Oh, you for know, sure. Like on some of these other teams and the Chris Room thing, like there is no denying he's the leader on their team, and so it's super. It's a great team for him, and everyone just has a little bit more experience. Yeah, because I feel like they were coming together a little bit as a. They were working on their TT, like you said. I think as a team they were doing that. Um, so I think they should be pretty strong. 
Yep. Well, next we have Damar, uh, their second biggest rider. You know, we kind of give him shit. Like, will he ever learn to sprint without creating such chaos? Dude, I, he's got to be up there with riders I do not like. And it goes back to his Milan San Remo win where half the riders said that he got a pull up the mountain because he was off the back and somehow is just... All of a sudden there. The fastest over one of the climbs. And, you know, it's... I don't know. I'm going by what other riders say, and I feel like they should have a decent yeah. opinion when of other what went on. riders are confused about how you made it. Yeah. And then with his he's chaotic always, sprinting, yeah. it's like... Well, he's always the very first person dropped when the, when the Peloton hits the mountains. Yeah. Like in the tour. Yeah, he's definitely up there with... Yeah. Now, granted, I will give him credit. Like, when he won this first Tour de France stage, I thought that was cool, right? It's always nice to see these sprinters who really are pursuing the peak of their sport being able to win their first Tour de France. Like, look at Caleb Ewan last season, you know? That's true. It's super cool to see. But he does have a propensity to move the line when he's sprinting, and it creates a pretty dangerous sprint. I know last year, or was it the year before? It was the year that Sagan got kicked out. The first couple sprint stages were all over the place. And I believe it was because of DeMar. Yeah, I feel like, I'm trying to remember the exact one, but I feel like he basically caused a chain reaction of like he went over and then which caused somebody else to move, which that they actually crashed, but it was his movement and like massive amount of that, which actually is causing these things. And I think that's come up a couple times. But when, we're forgetting the first rule of the Tour de France. Gotta French, be French, dude. French riders can do no <laughs> yeah. wrong. Uh, the well, great one, I feel like he uh, had a sprint with him and um, Buhani in the French National Championships, and I think they were both just like all over. Yeah, but, they're the both, those two were some of the most chaotic sprinters, and they both happen to be French. I'm not I think, saying anything, it's just I think he actually, I felt bad for Buhani in that one. I think he like was a worse in that and got it. And was that the one like, that we were talking about where like it was kind of ironic, but you actually do feel bad for him because he got <laughs> yeah. pretty boned hard. He almost ate shit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know what Damar is going to do. I don't know what his goals are. He's going to have to go to the Giro because the tour is all about Pino. If he's trained and in shape for the Tour de France, they're not going to bring Damar. You so. want to build the whole team around Pino. No, yeah. No so question. I don't expect him to go if Pino is looking and ready. Right. Sure. If, he, if he's looking fit and ready to go, I don't expect DeMar to go. But unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of other action for a sprinter this year. The Giro is has some, and the Volta just the Volta does is not nothing. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, yeah, I just, I don't, all this, I don't like DeMar. Well, Stefan Kuhn. He had a great world championships. Will we, will we be seeing more progress from him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's definitely got a great TT on him, and, and that's going to be great for the tour team. I think he, they're going to bring him on there, and he's going to be doing a lot of work. Uh, I don't know what opportunities he's going to get on his own. Maybe uh, maybe a classic. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I mean, he, he's one of, he's, I don't know about win, but he's done a few things in, in classic style races, but he's definitely a TT guy. I'm just trying to look real quick what he did in the world championships i kind of forgot oh he got third he got podiumed in the road race and then he got 10th in the time trial and that world championships was nuts Do you know but he looks good dark dark horse perry robay i'm throwing it out there stefan coon yep all right that's interesting the thing about the classics this year like since they're going to be so late i don't know what the weather like is like in those places rain hopefully because like <laughs> i know perry bay because of the weather in april or whatever you know yeah, like yeah. i don't know what the weather is like in september or whatever 
probably or October even less. Or whatever. It's probably beautiful. I mean, yeah, exactly. you'd imagine. This is going to be like fresh fields of wheat everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure it'll be cool and cold. So I think, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what he does. I think he's just going to target some time trials. I think he might go for like the tour time trial and everything else. Sticking with my dark horse for uh, Perry Robay. No worries, man. Uh, let's see. This year they've got what? Let's, what kind of results have they got this year? They got third overall at the. Uh, I, not, I can't even pronounce. Yeah, that. it's. I'm not going to do it well either. The Tole de Bessege, We're going to say. Uh, stage it's race. Long. It's a five. It's a five day stage race, and they got third overall with Alexis Bernil. Uh, I think. Again, just we're kind of going over of who they could have for support. I think he's he's going to be him and Godot, and you got Kung on your team. Like it'll be not quite up there with some of the other teams for their Tour de France team, but if they bring them all, then I I think they have a, a decent shot and a couple guys to hang with Pino for a while. Yeah. Oh, they got what Rudy Millard, Sebastian Reichenbach, a couple guys. So. Yeah. I think, like I said, you gotta. Other teams can are so deep. You can. You don't have to. Yeah. They they have to pretty much pick everybody, the top tier. Of course. To, to make that. To yeah, they don't team. have that deep of a team compared yeah. to the the people that are. are it's not like Yumbo Visma where yeah. it's like, oh yeah, we have three guys who could maybe win it. <laughs> it's just, exactly. Yeah, I mean, as far as better or worse for compared to last year, I think you just have to go with worse. It's just hard to see them. They had a really good, you know, last couple of years, and I don't know if it's their their depth is an issue, and I don't. And again, it's a truncated season, but for all intents and purposes, they're the same team as last year. There's just yeah, no races for them to do anything, and they only won four World Tour last year. So two of them were stages that I think Pino won in the Tour. So I just don't expect them. I, I expect them just to get one or two victories, and and so basically the same. More yeah, or less. I'd say worse or even, and like you said, it's. It's mainly, I mean, they they didn't change the team at all. So there's obviously been guys who have been progressing, so that's good. But they didn't really they didn't really pick up or do much in transfers wise. So I, yeah, I can't see a big swing of anything happening. Same. Yeah, it's like if you're not growing, you're dying. So yeah, basically didn't pick up anybody worth kind of weird to their team for the tour or something. You think they would add like maybe a domestique or something, but they're. Maybe they just have a really good core of riders that they trust, and they they're developing, and they know their potential. That could be too. And it could just very well be that. I don't. I'm not part of their team, so you, you aren't. Know, I think Mark Medio might be a part of their team. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but yeah. Um, but yeah. So I just expect them to do worse or the same. I think we're both in agreement on that. So yeah. Well, that um, that about sums up this week's episode. I apparently do not have my team show notes for next week. Yet I'm gonna be busy this week. I gotta get all those knocked out. So I don't know who the next two teams are. Either way, we'll be covering two teams next week. Yeah, I'm ready to get down to like the top ten where we just have one team a week. Yeah, because they're gonna be the bigger teams, and we're gonna have a lot more. A little to talk more in about. depth. And we're coming up on like the treks of the world, so we're getting there. Oh, I don't know about. Yeah, we're not there yet. <laughs> well, they, I think some of us 14th, so we're we're getting close. All right, all right. Yeah. Well, until next week. See ya. See ya.